following audio is from Covenant Life Fellowship. For more information about our church and to stay up to date on all sermons, events, and news, please visit our website at www.clfroseburg.com. All right, First Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be this morning. Last week, Dave Q did a great job of getting us introduced to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. If you have been around the block at all in Christian, the Christian faith, um, like I have, right? I, I grew up in the Baptist church. And because this has to do with spiritual gifts, we avoided these chapters. Right? And then I, then I went into a Pentecostal church when I came to Roseburg, and they spent most of their time in these chapters. And what you're going to find is we talk about spiritual gifts most of the frustration around spiritual gifts is either due to misinformation or misapplication. And so what we want to do this morning is begin to talk about these gifts because they're in God's Word and we need to address them. But Dave did a great job last week introducing us to these chapters because they're really at, Paul is really answering a really big question. And here's the question the Corinthians were asking. How do we know if somebody has the Spirit of God residing in them? Is it by extravagant gifts being seen, like oratory skills, uh, prophetic utterance, healings, or is it by something else? And last week, Dave did a great job of showing us that in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12, that Paul was saying, listen, what reveals that somebody has a Spirit of God in their life is if they are declaring that Jesus is Lord with their life and their lips. In other words, Paul puts spiritual gifts in their proper place. Jesus is preeminent in the church, and the gift of salvation is to be seen as the greatest gift we could ever receive. Now just think how easy it is to forget how important it is and wonderful it is to be a child of God. I mean, just this morning... I came in this morning, and we're having all sorts of sound issues, right? All of a sudden, all the in-ear monitors are not working. Nothing is happening that really we want to happen. And you can feel it in the room. We're suddenly losing a sense of the wonder of God's grace that we have been called by God to be children of God. It's easy to forget in the middle of all the stuff that goes in our world, the wonderful gift, the primary gift that we've been given, the gift of salvation. And Paul lays that out very clearly in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12. Now that gets us to chapter to chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, which is what we're going to read this morning, we're going to study this morning. So stand with me, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. <clears throat> this will come up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I'll read it, you follow along. This is the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we're going to study this morning, that you have uniquely gifted your people to serve you for your glory, for the common good of others, and for the advancement of the gospel. And we thank you that you are sovereign over all of it. We rejoice, Father, that you care so much about your glory and so much about your gospel that you would not only save us, but then you'd give us gifts to go serve you. So open our eyes today to the wonder of our triune God, caring enough for his people and for his own glory to empower us to serve you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, as you're being seated, one of the announcements I forgot to make, and you're going to see it in in the thing today, is when people are uniquely gifted by God to do certain things, they serve God in, in remarkable ways. This last weekend, UAC went on, and Maya Snyder, right here, won the UAC competition with her cello playing that you got to enjoy. So give, give her a quick hand, right? It's pretty awesome. Unique gifts, unique interest, of which if you asked me to play the cello, it'd be really bad. Okay? All right, 1 Corinthians 12. So the big idea, if you're new with us, you've got a, a bulletin in your hands, and it should have a big idea on the outline. Here's the big idea we want to get today. God, through the Holy Spirit, has given every Christian a unique gift and a unique interest. And he has empowered them for his glory, the good of the church, and the advancement of the gospel. I'll read that again. God, through the Holy Spirit, has given every Christian a unique gift and a unique interest. And he's empowered them for his glory, the good of the church, and the advancement of the gospel. So let's let's start with point number one that's on your notes there. And notice that gifts are important and they're for every Christian. Now let's just remember where we are in, in Corinthians and in the city of Corinth. There were people in this city who believed that spiritual gifts were the height of Christianity. If you had an extravagant gift, you must really have been something in the eyes of God. There were others in the same church who didn't like the gifts very much. They saw them as divisive. They saw them as unnecessary. They saw them as showy. And most certainly, they did not see them as anything important. And these are not unlike issues that we deal with in our own church and issues that you see across Christendom today. There are some in the church who believe that if a Christian does not have a certain spiritual gift, they're not filled with God's Spirit. While there are others who would say that if you have those same gifts, you're actually filled with a demon, not the Holy Spirit. There are others who believe that spiritual gifts are so important to the church that we don't even need God's Word anymore because gifted people will tell us what God really wants us to know. While there are others who think that anytime the Holy Spirit shows up, it must mean people are going to hang from the chandeliers and do car wheels down the aisles, right? I mean, it's like that weird uncle you don't want to come out at the party because you know he's going to embarrass everybody. That's what we're nervous about, the Holy Spirit showing up. And most of the confusion around spiritual gifts is due to misuse or misinformation or misapplication. And don't forget what we've said over and over again from the pulpit here. A truth that is misapplied does not mean the truth is wrong. It means the application is wrong. So this is incredibly helpful instruction for us 
to help us learn the extremes of spiritual gifts and have to see what God has to say on the issue. So Paul has already told us in verses 1 through 3 to make sure that Jesus is preeminent in the church and in our lives. So we've got to keep chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, in view as we study from chapter 12, verse 4, all the way to the end of chapter 14. We can't miss what Paul is getting at. Gifts are important, but they're not preeminent. The Spirit of God is revealed in a person's life not by spiritual gifts. The Spirit of God is revealed primarily in a person's life when they proclaim with their life and their lips that Jesus Christ is their Lord. Don't miss that. That doesn't mean that gifts are, are unimportant because in verses 4 through 6, Paul shows us they're important. Notice what Paul does in these verses. He says there are varieties of gifts, services, and activities. Lots and lots of gifts. Lots and lots of services. Lots and lots of activities. But he says, there is one Spirit, one Lord, and one God. In other words, he says, there's a diversity of gifts, myriads of services, countless activities and ministries that go on inside the church and in the kingdom of God, but there is one Lord over them all. See, Paul's not differentiating between gifts and services and ministries as much as he's drawing our attention to the one God. See, what we do is we look at these verses and we go, wow, what are these gifts? What are these services? What are these ministries? And we fail to notice how often Paul says one. One Lord, one Spirit, one God who is Lord over them all. And his point is simply not that these gifts and ministries and services are different as much as look at all the innumerable things that the Spirit of God is doing in the lives of individual Christians inside the corporate church underneath the sovereign headship of Christ. This is why Paul ties all the gifts, all the services, all the activities back underneath the lordship and sovereignty of Almighty God. Paul is banging the same note over and over and over again. Many gifts, one God. Many services, one God. Many activities, many ministries, one God. Now what Paul does here in this text is fascinating. Is He doesn't rule out the gifts. No, he expounds on them. Now just for a minute here, think about this church. This church was so out of order when it came to the use of the gifts. You could show up in a gathering like this, and there would be mass chaos. People talking out of turn, people jumping, speaking in foreign languages, nobody interpreting. It would be this awkward, weird thing. If it happened here, it would be weird. right? We'd all just kind of freak out, like, what is happening here? And yet Paul knows they're misusing the gifts, and he doesn't tell them to stop using the gifts. He tells them to use them properly. So he expounds on the spiritual gifts. He doesn't discount the spiritual gifts. He says they're so numerous they can't be counted. Yet all these spiritual gifts, he says, are in submission to one God over all. Now, his point is, gifts are important, but they're not preeminent. And because they're important, he says, they're for every single Christian. Notice the end of verse 6 and going into verse 7 what Paul says. Paul wrote that God empowers them, these gifts, in everyone 
And to each person, each Christian, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now what Paul's doing here is he's challenging people from every side of the aisle on spiritual gifts. So no matter what side of the aisle you come from, if you believe in them or you don't believe in them, Paul is challenging you to rethink your thoughts. For those who think that spiritual gifts reveal people who are extremely spiritual or who are special forces, elite level Christians, Paul says, no, God has gifted every Christian. To every Christian is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And to those who think that gifts are unimportant or we don't even need them, Paul says, no, God has given every Christian a gift, a ministry, a service, and that is the manifestation of the Spirit. So this would mean every Christian, old, young, experienced, inexperienced, new Christian, been around the block a thousand times Christian, are all uniquely gifted by God, and those gifts are uniquely a manifestation of God's Spirit. It shows that God's at work in them. But again, it's a secondary manifestation, because the primary manifestation is we proclaim Christ. If you have been called by God to be a child of God, that is the primary gift of God God's given you. It is enough to be grateful for, to worship God for, to be content with. And yet God, in His kindness, then says, I'm going to allot to each of you a gift to go serve me in this world. Spiritual gifts are important, but they are not primary. And because they're important, they are for every Christian, not elite level Special force type Christians. These aren't just for the marine type of Christians. This is for every Christian. Now, what are these things? What what are spiritual gifts anyway? Now, you're going to notice something in verses 8 through 10 that Paul does is fascinating. He lifts a a bunch of gifts. Now, when you read that list, here's what we have a tendency to do as Westerners. We make it a list. We check it. We even put it in a little thing called a spiritual gift inventory. Anybody ever taken one of those before? Spiritual gift inventory, especially the ones in Romans chapter 12. And we make this big old list and we categorize them and we put them in place and we say, oh, I'm, I'm high in prophecy or I'm, I'm a high servant or I'm a giver or I've got hospitality or I'm a leader. Not many people say, I speak in tongues, right? We're not, you know, we don't do that very often. But here's the challenge. When you read verses 8 through 10 and you even read Romans 12, Paul is not giving us an exhaustive list of gifts. He's giving us a sampling of gifts. These gifts are not meant to be categorized. It's like Paul is giving us a smattering of gifts that the Corinthians either loved or they hated. Or the ones that they were seeing and noticing. It's like Paul just gives us a, hey, here's a list of gifts. I mean, think about it. If the gifts are as varied as God's grace, that means we can't list them all. So this isn't a list for us to look at and go, okay, what does every one of these things mean necessarily as much as here's a list of gifts, be aware of them. There's a lot of them, but there's one Lord over them all. And rather than going through, because I don't believe Paul would necessarily want us to go through every gift and then label which one has what, I don't think that's helpful. I think we have to ask, what is a spiritual gift? And connect them to the same words in the text, services, activities, and ministries. The Greek word for gift comes from the Greek word for grace. In other words, each gift that God gives is an act of God's grace. 
What's intriguing about the word grace is that every Christian is a recipient of God's grace through the work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. In the same light, God graces his people with gifts. We could call them grace gifts. So here's how I like to define this. And you'll notice my logic when it comes up on the screen. I'm a logical individual. I think through things and these kind of things. So gifts are given by God's grace. God's grace is given to every Christian. Therefore, we see my logic here. Therefore, every Christian has a gift from God. It's not that hard. Grace, gifts are given by God's grace. God's grace is given to every Christian. Therefore, every Christian has a gift from God. That means you cannot sit around as a child of God and think God is not giving you a gift. Every child of God has been given a given grace, and we've been given a gift by God's grace. Now, when you look at it, then these gifts in light of these services and ministries, notice how this goes on in verses four through six, because Paul interchanges these unique words. He's got gifts and he's got the word services. Services just simply means various types of service, but listen clearly, that are either supernaturally driven or are naturally derived. Meaning, they could be services that you're naturally talented at. Take Maya playing the cello. Naturally talented. Got a gift. Can be supernaturally endowed with power by God to be used by God. But activities is a really funny word. Activities is a word where we derive our English word energy. It simply means to perform to accomplish or to energize something. See, the amazing thing about spiritual gifts is that we often, that we often miss is that they are God's empowering grace on a myriad of services or a myriad of activities that are supernaturally empowered by God, but could be natural talent that we do. D.A. Carson put it this way. Now listen to this very carefully. Paul would not have been uncomfortable with spiritual gifts being made up of some mix of so-called natural talent, what he would consider still to be God's gift, and of specific spirit-energized endowment. It is clear that Paul uses the three terms to describe the full range of what we might call spiritual gift phenomena. See, this is why we've got to be amazed that God has gifted every Christian and marvel at God's grace empowering us to go on mission. See, we're no different than the Corinthians. The moment they heard a great teacher, they thought, that guy's remarkably gifted. When they saw extraordinary gifts, they thought this person must have an extraordinary standing before God. And they marveled at the gifts, and it caused them to marvel at the gifted individual. But notice Paul's argument here. All Christians are gifted. And that is a manifestation of the Spirit. Some of those gifts are supernatural. They're not natural. Some are natural. They do it naturally. But for the Christian, whether it's supernatural or natural, we see everything we do as empowered by the one same Spirit. That's what Paul is getting at. Now, give you a brief example of this. And this may surprise you. Some of you say, you watch me preach, and you go, it's very natural. 
I went through college to get a bachelor of science degree to avoid speech class. Getting up in front of people is not natural for me. The only reason why it's been natural is because for 30 years, 32 years now, I have done it weekly, regularly, over and over again. My wife would tell you she was at big events. As I would walk into the the, the room that we were going to meet in, there'd be people in the other, other room, and I would grab a trash can to throw up in before I'd go preach. Because this terrified me. This is not natural. But I do know this. God somehow supernaturally endows that. Just like when I listen to Maya play here, I watch Perry lead worship, or I see other people do certain things. They may be natural to them, and I know of other speakers, it's very natural to them to get in front of people. But as a child of God, no matter if it's natural or supernatural, here's how we think. God God is at work. Now, what, what are all these gifts about? Why do we have them? Who determines who gets what gift? Right? I mean, look around the room and go, okay, how did that guy get that, and what happened here? Well, that's the second point. Gifts are for a purpose, and they're given by the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 7. Paul said that the purpose of gifts is for the common good. Now, this is really important because in 1 Corinthians 11 through 14, Paul is dealing with what happens in the church gathering. And so corporately, when the church gets together, gifts are to be used for the good of everybody in the room. They're not, they're not here, they're not given to us for personal glorification so that people might go, wow, look how gifted that person is. And they're not merely given for personal satisfaction. <clears throat> there should be a joy and a satisfaction that comes from doing something for the glory of God, but it's not merely that. Corinth, like our society, was a self-focused society. People wanted acclaim, they wanted honor, they wanted prestige, and orators were everywhere. They wanted followers. The temples were in both directions of the city, were marketing for more and more constituents. Corinth, as I said before, would have been a crazy city to follow on social media. And a direct result and a direct impact into the issue of gifts, Paul is assaulting their pride in this text. He's writing, spiritual gifts are not for you. Spiritual gifts are for others. They're for the common good. Gifts are given by God to bless and serve people. They're not about exalting the gifted person or to cause others to marvel at the gift. Gifts are given by God to glorify God by serving and caring for people. Gifts are to be like a signpost pointing us to the great giver of all gifts, and they're about fulfilling His mission on this earth. Gifts are for the common good. For everybody around us, they're about serving and helping people for the glory of God. They're not about the individual, not about the gifted person, and they're to point us back to the great giver of all good gifts. And when we understand the purpose of those gifts, it's going to make sense why who determines who gets what. Think about this for a minute. If this is God's church, which it is, Right? You, you are not the elders people. You're God's people. The elders did not die for you to save you. You are the people for whom Christ died. We are to steward you, care for you, shepherd you as under shepherds underneath the authority of the risen Christ. And the risen Christ is your shepherd and he's your caregiver. And it would make sense then if gifts are to be used 
for the common good of Christ's people that He's the one who determines who gets what gift. He's the owner of it. He's the king over it all. He's the shepherd that knows which ones need to be gifted for what reason and for the best of His people. He's the determiner of those things. And you see that clearly in verse 11. That gifts are apportioned and allotted by the Holy Spirit to whomever He wills. When you read verses 8 through 10, you see this like this progression that speeds up to one is given this, to one is given this, to one is given this, to one is given this. And you can feel the Corinthians almost saying, which gift do I have? And Paul leans in in verse 11 and says, it doesn't matter. What matters is that the Spirit allots to each one the gifts he wants to have for the good of all. In other words, these gifts are not even ours to brag about. That's interesting. These are not gifts we brag. These are from God. God is the one who decides who gets which gift and who what he gives to each people, each person. And we clearly see Paul's challenge to us in the Corinthians. God has uniquely gifted each individual Christian for the common good of all people. So why on earth would we take credit for what God has done? Why would we ever compare our gifts to one another as if our gifts aren't as good as that person's gifts when God is the one allotting these gifts for the common good. Rather, Paul would say, we should use our gifts for the good of others, which is God's design because God has given to each one for that purpose. These are not our gifts. They're God's gifts given to us that we might use them for His purposes. Common good in the advancement of the gospel. Now let's take two things home from this that will help us, I think, draw out more of what Paul's saying in the text. And the first one is this. Spiritual gifts reveal the diversity and the unity of the the Trinity. See, there's a reason why not all of us are teachers. Why not all of us are hospitable. Why not all of us are givers or servants or mercy givers or leaders. And it's not just because we're different. You realize you've been made different on purpose. God made you different on purpose. It's because we've been created in the image of God. And no one can mirror or reflect the perfect image of God except for Christ. And God made each of us different with diversity and complexity to reveal that about the Trinity. But it also reveals something else about the Trinity. That our unique gifts are to operate in harmony in the body when each one contributes to the common good of all. It reveals the unity in the Trinity. See, why why would God not make you a teacher? Why would He make you uh why would He make you hospitable? Why would He make you kind? Why would He make you a, a mercy giver? Because your role plays a role in the overall revealing of the unity of the Godhead to the rest of the world. If there's one place on earth where there ought to be unity underneath the Lordship of Christ, it's the church. Why? Because it reveals the unity that's in the Godhead. See, what you notice in this is gifts are not here to reveal how good we are. Gifts are here to reveal how great God is. D.A. Carson put it like this. We should think of ourselves more like an orchestra. Each part playing its own unique contribution to the symphonic harmony. So we think of gifts, we should first think of 
the great and glorious God who's revealing himself to us about his great, unique, yet diverse, yet unified character. This is all about the Trinity. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit have different roles, different functions, but they have one purpose. And they are essentially one. And when we serve God together with our different gifts, different interests, what are we revealing? We're revealing the, the triune God to the rest of the world. The second thing I want you to notice about these gifts to take home with you is God has uniquely gifted each Christian with unique gifts and unique interests. See, too many times, and I hear this a lot as a pastor, is people don't think they have much to contribute to the kingdom of God. They limit their role in it because they don't think they have an extravagant gift like somebody else, or they're not a leader like that person, or they're not outgoing like another individual. So we say things like, I'm not gifted enough to do something in God's kingdom, or I don't have what it takes to be used by God. We even have weird ideas. I I grew up with some really weird ideas about gifts. I, I I was basically told if you enjoyed doing something, it must be wrong, must be sinful. So therefore, don't enjoy that. If you're enjoying it, it's fleshly driven. That was the terms that were used. So find things that you don't enjoy And then when you do enjoy them, move on to something else because you're sacrificing things for God. Isn't that weird? Or I'll give you another one. If you're good at something, give it up and work on something you stink at because when you get good at that, it reveals the power of God in you. And I always wrestle with, well, what about people who do really good things that could do really good things for the kingdom of God? We've got to stop thinking about gifts in weird ways. As if because we enjoy it, it must be wrong, or because we're good at it, it must not be a gift. What if we saw gifts like this? Gifts might be things that you really enjoy doing or that you're good at, and God can and will use the interests that you have. Music, sports, outdoor, art, photography, I mean, you name it, for his mission and the good of all people. And God will empower those to accomplish his work. What if we saw gifts like that? I'll tell you what would happen. We would see that there are a myriad of services, a myriad of opportunities for the gospel. Now, you might say, I've heard people say this, well, give me a case study on this in the Bible. Let me give you one. Okay, because there's a case study. There's two men in the Bible. I'll give you their names. You may have read them before. If you're reading the book of Exodus, you'll know them pretty well. Bezalel and Oholiab. Ever heard those names? Exodus. Moses. God told Moses to build a tabernacle. The house of God. And notice what he said to Moses. I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze and cutting stones for setting and and carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I've appointed with him Oholiab. You know who those guys were? Pete Pappas. You know who those guys were? Dan Reeves. Uniquely gifted with all these manners of things, uh, craftsmanship, artistic designs, working with metals, stones, and a ton of other things. My question is, are those natural gifts? You better believe they are. Pull out a tape measure and get your pastor around it. You, It will embarrass you to no end, right? Get that around somebody else and they'll go, oh, dude, come on, figure it out, man. What's wrong with you, right? I mean, 
But, but did God supernaturally empower those men to do God's work? The answer is absolutely yes. See, here's what happens when we see gifts like this. It opens our mind to what God could use us for. It opens our minds to where God, we, we can be utilizing the kingdom of God. We begin to see the church no longer as a program center that tells you where to serve with your gifts. No, 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 no. The church, rather, is an equipping center. You know what it's doing? It's equipping you to go use your gifts in the community with your gifts and your interests that you're passionate about. For what reason? For the common good of all and the advancement of the gospel. Now you get to see periodically every year from about March to the end of May, this, I'm trying to lead this in our church. I do it through this little silly game called baseball. We take a bat, a round bat, we're trying to hit a round ball. I spend a lot of time discipling young men through that game. It's a gift. It's an interest. Something I enjoy doing. Some people said, nah, it's just a hobby. Well, a few years ago after the Lord allowed me to win my 300th game, Luis Castellano said, how many of you are here today that either played for Dave, your kid played for Dave, your grandkid played for Dave, you are here because you know Dave through the game of baseball. One third of our congregation raised their hand. It's more than a hobby. It's a gift. It's an interest. And I don't do it just because I enjoy the game. That's part of it. I do it to set an example to you that God wants us to use our gifts and our interests for the glory of God. Let me give you some examples of this in our church. In a little over two months, we're going to have VBS going on. You know how VBS started in our church? We, we didn't do VBS. Matter of fact, if I could be honest, I don't like program things. I'm just not that guy. I would rather the church calendar be completely empty and everybody can go just serve wherever they want to serve people. But we have, we, somebody came up and said, Hey, I'd like to do VBS. And so Rachel Keller started VBS. Creative mom had kids that were younger and said, I want us to start a VBS. I'd love to lead it. And she started doing all the organization to it. A few years later, her kids got older and she decided it was time to step back from leading it. And it got so we, we didn't have a leader for that. So we didn't have VBS. A couple years ago, Another gifted mom said, hey, I'd like to lead VBS. Alina Sorensen stepped in, and she started leading VBS with lots and lots of helpers. So the question would be, what happens if we don't have a leader for VBS? We won't have VBS. Oh, my word. What would happen to VBS? I have no idea. You know why? Because we believe firmly that God gives people with unique gifts and unique interests, and when God raises them up, God will lead that, just like Soon you'll be hearing about a prayer ministry starting because God's brought people who want to start a prayer ministry here. Doesn't mean pastors don't pray. It's just we haven't been leading that type of prayer ministry, waiting on God to bring people gifted and passionate about that particular area. Beth Kaili Uli worked at Abby's Pizza for a long time. I promised her I wouldn't tell you how long. And she worked in their HR department. She retired a few years ago. And Beth said, hey, I've got some skills that I'd love to help with. Where can I serve? And right now she serves our church as our treasurer and our bookkeeper right alongside Dave Quilla, saving him an enormous amount of time. To say Daniel Ritchie loves history and theology would be an understatement. So what does Daniel do in his spare time? Well, you know what Daniel does. He takes young people out rock climbing, hiking, and when they get in the car, what do they talk about? The theology of ancient Greece. And Daniel uses his unique gifts of teaching theology at our church once a month by teaching one of our TF classes. 
Seth Buekley has a unique knack of making friends, networking people, and he loves entrepreneurs. But to him, it's more than work or business. And he and I talked about this all last year. It's all about the advancement of the gospel. Dustin Furch, and most of us know him, he's big enough to block the sun. I mean, the dude hugs you and you feel like, you know, the moon is wrapping his arms around you. I mean, the guy is huge, but Dustin has unique skills and gifts as a master griller, does he not? And he's an incredible champion of smoked meats. But what's hidden underneath that that you may not realize is all that's coming out of a heart of hospitality. Because he wants people to feel welcome when they eat his food. Linda Barons loves young mamas with new babies. So you know what Linda did a few years ago? She created a ministry for young moms, and they meet once a month and talk over their challenges, and they love on each other. One of my favorite stories is a friend of mine who doesn't go to church here. His name is Mike. Mike cuts down trees for a living. He's a logger. Falls trees. He has his own crew. And I marvel at watching with a chainsaw because I, I break chainsaws. I cannot use them very well. Anytime I use them, they smoke really bad. Chains stop. Uh, they tell me I got to put oil in the thing. I don't know any of that. I am bad about this stuff. I'm terrible with it. Don't let me borrow your chainsaw. I will ruin it. But Mike can cut anything with a chainsaw. But Mike is also a fantastic witness for Jesus. His wife every day gives him a bag of cookies, and he takes that to his logging deck, and as they have lunch together, he hands them out to his guys, and usually there's a little note in there with a Bible verse in them. A few years ago, one of Mike's, one of Mike's guys had an accident on the job. Mike called me from the emergency room. So would you pray, please, that my son, which wasn't a son, would come to faith in Christ. Listen, I could go on all day long about stuff like this. Unique gifts, unique interests, but one Lord over them all. See, what I, what I want you to notice is God, if you're a child of God, has uniquely gifted you. He's given you unique passions, unique gifts, Unique relationships. And you should be using those in faith, looking to Him. See, Paul's instruction helps us see that God's gifted us all. And He's empowered us to use these gifts. So right now, in your heart, in your seat right now, God is encouraging you to think through how He could use you in areas that you enjoy, things that you love to do. And He's envisioning you about those things and how you can be used by God in those things. You may think, oh, you don't understand, I just like sewing. Then drag somebody along to go sew. I love fishing. Drag somebody along to go fishing. And I get it. You go fishing to get alone and get away from every all the chaos. I get it. But what if God could use that time of solo with you to make it a duet with another person that might save them and bring them to Christ or disciple them in the faith? Paul even says something amazing in Romans 12, that God not only gifts us, but he gives us faith to use the gifts according to his purpose. So think how amazing this is. God saves you by grace. God gives you a gift by grace. God empowers you to use your gift to serve other people by grace. And he even gives you the faith to step out to utilize your gift. So here's the question. What do you have to do with it? 
The God of the universe has gifted you, has empowered you, and will even give you faith to go do the very thing that you think you want to do right now. You may say, look, man, I, I just have a gift for encouragement. Then guess what? Write really encouraging notes. And do it for the glory of God, believing that God is empowering that. You don't understand, man. I just pray for people. Then pray for people for the glory of God, believing that God will use you for the glory of God. You don't understand, man. I just like to make cookies for people. Then make cookies and give them away at church. Believing what? God. That God's at work. See, we to respond to the Lord at the end of the sermon, we really just got to marvel at God. Gifts are to reveal God. They reveal God's grace. And God has given us the faith to respond. God is the one that does this. So what do we do? We go and we act. Where God is encouraging you, go and act. One spirit, many gifts, all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, you you know because you are the one who has designed it, the diversity of gifts, the myriad of ministries, the various activities, the different gifts that you, the God of the universe, has given to people. And I pray right now for just a fresh infusion of faith. Would you give us faith to act and respond and trust that you are using our gifts and us for your glory, your kingdom? Jesus, you are the shepherd of your people. Would you encourage and strengthen their hearts now? In whatever field they find themselves, may you help them to see their role in the kingdom of God. And the Father, help us to respond. Respond in faith and trusting ourselves to you. believing and hoping that you will work for your glory and the good of people for the advancement of the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been proudly given in response to cherishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to watch all our sermons online. For more information about Covenant Life Fellowship, visit us on the web at www.clfroseburg.com.